the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. And welcome again to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us every Saturday night here on AM 1280 The Patriot, where the K-12 through education is the playing field. And as the 16th President Abraham Lincoln so succinctly stated, he said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I'm Mark Durkin, joined by my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hagstrom. America's institutions in this day are constantly using words like tolerance and understanding and equality and specific phrases such as racial equity, gender identity, and critical race theory. The powers behind COVID mandates in America and across the world are promising that their directives are for your safety, and we're all in this together, yet so many millions of Americans are now threatened with being ostracized from participating in society. Such words and concepts are presented today carrying specific meanings. But are these meanings intended to deliver what they appear to promise? As former Soviet political prisoner Alexander Solzhenitsyn warned more than a quarter century ago, he said, we're approaching a major turning point in world history, in the history of civilization. It is a juncture at which settled concepts suddenly become hazy, lose their precise contours, at which our familiar and commonly used words lose their meaning, become empty shells and methods which have been reliable for many centuries no longer work. Well, our guests tonight have launched the Twin Cities Chapter of FAIR, the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, a nonpartisan national grassroots organization that is dedicated to advancing civil rights and liberties for all Americans. Mm-hmm. And joining us tonight in studio from the newly created Twin Cities Chapter of FAIR are chapter leaders Jeff Campbell and Andrea Shearer. Mr. Campbell has practiced business-related law for over 20 years. He coaches high school cross-country and mock trial and is passionate about helping return America to the place where each American is judged by the content of their character and not by their race or any other immutable characteristic. Ms. Shearer has practiced nursing on various capacities for nearly 20 years. She joined FAIR because she is dedicated to a commitment to truth, compassion, and defeating evil, not people. She is passionate for defending civil rights and liberties for all Americans. Thank you both for joining us tonight on Education America. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you. Great to have you here. Well, the dominating discussion across America today is the insistence from America's institutions, colleges, universities, and businesses, government, the media, even our children's schools, 
Um, to, they seek to identify persons on characteristics such as skin color, gender, and sexual orientation. Your organization, FAIR, states these immutable characteristics only pit Americans against one another. Can you please share with our listeners how collectivist identities damage the notion of what it really means to be human? Yes, FAIR, our organization, um, really relies on looking at the immutable characteristics And um, those are things that are unable to be changed. Mm -hmm. And America's institutions are using these immutable characteristics to divide. And our organization promotes our common humanity. Uh, We are a pro-human organization in that we believe that all members are part of one human race. And so the individual um, in that human race is viewed as unique and um, and we have a bunch of unique and diverse individuals. Mm-hmm. So that when that is acknowledged, it opens the door for personal development for each individual human person. Um, that allows them to pursue their goals. It motivates them to do their best. It allows for creativity. It's an incentive for innovation. It allows for enjoyment of work. And it allows them to solve their own problems. It provides freedom and self-reliance. And all of this equals a stronger society as a whole. Mm-hmm. Now, to contrast that, the collectivist identities um, violate the very notion of everything that I just said right. of what it means to be human. And with that, um, collectivist identity tries to make all of us the same. Yep. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, it pits people against each other. And our organization... Um, um, is not for that. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking at is like collectivist societies, they emphasize the needs and wants and goals of a group over the needs and the de- and desires of each individual. And we have lots of examples historically with that, the yeah. communist movement, Marxism, socialism. Mm-hmm. And so when um, individuals can also be seen in this in this collectivist identity as being subordinate to a social collectivity, such as a state, a nation, a race, and social class. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, our organization, FAIR, defines the term pro-human as advocating for one human race, universal, with civil rights and liberties, and compassionate opposition to racism and intolerance rooted in the dignity of our common humanity. Mm-hmm. So that importance of being human, our organization um, really values that a lot. Yeah. And that's so important. You know, I think people so often forget that we really are all human. And um, the the critical race theory movement has really hijacked a lot of the terms. And I think we're going to be talking more about that throughout the show today. And even the very name of FAIR, I love the fact that they are taking back those words, um, the foundation against intolerance and racism, um, you know, those are words that today people might assume the organization stands for critical race theory because they have taken those words and used them in their in their um, in in their efforts, I guess. And so, in fact, when I've shared your name of your organization with a few people, they've said, "Oh, well, that sounds like an organization that would be promoting critical race theory." I said, "I know. I think that's the entire point right. is that they want to take back that language and." I, I just think that's tremendous, and so um, we're very glad to, that you're doing what you're doing. It's an important work, mm-hmm. right? And we talk about you know individual rights and versus you know collectivist identities. And when we go back and look at really the civil rights movement, Jeff, 
uh, Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, that cornerstone uh, Supreme Court case really ushered in the civil rights movement in this country. If you could describe for our listeners why the need is urgent to reaffirm and advance the core principles of the civil rights movement. Is there anything else to that outside of the individual versus, you know, collectivist label? Yeah, absolutely there is, uh, Mark. It's urgent because of where we are right now as a society. Um, we've got uh, really a minority of people who are pushing an agenda that seeks to divide us by race and by other immutable characteristics. And so uh, if we don't, you know... In your opening, you mentioned Abraham Lincoln yes, and his notion that, you know, the children today are going to be the leaders tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And what they're seeking to do is influence children, very young children at this point, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's how they change society. And, you know, I, like many other parents uh, in this state, have been, I I would say, somewhat asleep at the wheel. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we operated under the assumption that, you know, we put our kids in school uh, they're going to learn the same kinds of things we did. Uh, they're going to be taking up the uh, civil rights rhetoric and the notion that we want to live in a colorblind society. And uh, sometimes we've been discovering to our you know, surprise that that's not what's going on in school, mm-hmm. uh, that what they're learning, uh, it, what they're increasingly being presented with is a, is a really divisive yes. curriculum. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the word colorblind, um, I actually just heard on the news recently that the American Express Corporation has told their employees just recently right. that if you use the word colorblind um, or that all people are valuable or something like that, um, that y- you are basically breaking their rules and, and there were going to be some type of consequences. I don't remember exactly what hmm. it was, but um, like you say, these notions of colorblindness came out of the civil rights movement and that's that was supposed to be the ideal. And now it's being considered racist to use the term colorblind. That's right. And I mean, it's, it's incredible because, you know, the, you mentioned language and the use of the language. Mm-hmm. You know, they're taking all these terms, equity, equality, right. colorblind, yeah. and turning them basically on their head. Yeah. It, mean, it doesn't mean what it used to mean. And that's mm-hmm. one of the key missions that we have is is making people aware that when they talk about these and they mention these terms, uh, they're not talking about it the way that Dr. Martin Luther King right. talked about it, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mean the opposite. They mean to divide us by race. Yes. Right. And that's mm-hmm. again, goes back to the urgency here that you mentioned, Mark, at the, mm-hmm. uh, in your question. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, the spirit, as we're talking about Dr. Martin Luther King, um, the spirit of the civil rights movement was perfectly captured by Dr. Martin Luther King in his I Have a Dream speech in which he spoke of having a world in which his children would one day live in a nation where they would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Um, Dr. King Jr. was simply reiterating the tenets of the Declaration of Independence. And this is where the grassroots organization FAIR comes in. But before we discuss the Minnesota chapter, can you please share with our listeners the goals of the national mission of this organization? In addition to the Twin Cities, how many FAIR chapters exist across the country? Right. Well, FAIR stands for the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, as we've, as we've said. Mm-hmm. And the mission of the organization is truly nonpartisan, mm-hmm. and it's dedicated to advancing civil rights um, and liberties for all Americans and promoting a common culture based on fairness, understanding, and humanity. And those three Mm -hmm. things, the fairness, understanding, and humanity, are outlined in our pledge. 
And um, if you go to our website, um, www.fairforall.org, it's all very clearly outlined and beautifully um, designed as to what our mission truly is. And as you look at that fairness, understanding, and humanity, it will just jump off the page at you as something that's attractive and does mm-hmm. go back to mm-hmm. what um, was started in the Civil Rights mm-hmm. Movement. And mm-hmm. it's just being um, brought forward now with this beautiful organization. Mm-hmm. And currently, um, since January, we have 60 chapters in 30 states. Wow. And the goal is um, that we hope to have chapters across the country by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And we are well on a trajectory to meeting that goal. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, mm-hmm. And that's only – I actually listened to the Founders um, web webinar, I guess, mm-hmm. back in – I think March I listened to it, maybe April – and he said that they had just launched in February of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he said that he quit his job in November of last year <laughs> to start putting this organization together with the help of a, of a core group of people. But to li- just launch in February and be up to 60 chapters in 30 states just a few months later is truly am- uh, amazing. Yeah, And that speaks to the receptive exactly. nature. Exactly. I was about to say that. <laughs> that the, the country is beginning to understand. You know, we mm-hmm. talk about uh, Dr. King, and of course his approach was nonviolent, and we'll, we'll get into that in just a second, but that was certainly uh, the furthest thing from the uh, reality of what was taking place in the streets last year. So people are seeing that. They're waking up to it. They were afraid. I mean, based on what they were seeing, you could see the country being torn apart and uh, – and people are receptive, and that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Absolutely. Can I just insert something really quick? One of the things that you mentioned as part of the goal of FAIR is a common culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something that I think we have watched deteriorate over the course of time. I mean, yes. when you consider that when people came looking for religious freedom here, you know, how many hundreds of years ago, um, there was a common culture and they did actually have good relationships overall with the indigenous people that lived here at the time. And that's why they did their Thanksgiving meal together. Um, while there's probably some difficulty that took place over the course of time that maybe didn't get shared in some of the history books um, that I do think we, you know, we don't want to gloss over the negatives in our history, our nation's history. I do think it's important for us to understand how important that common culture is. And for many, many, many years, the immigrants that would come over wanted to be part of that common culture and wanted to learn the ways of Americans and wanted their children to learn English. And they knew that that was the way to get ahead. And so one of the things that I think is really detrimental about this new critical race theory movement is it really does divide on the basis of race, but it also, I think, then really undermines the ability of these new immigrants to really be successful in our country because they're almost being told, well, you're a victim, so therefore you cannot rise up and succeed. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, hey, you're in America now. If you work hard, if you learn English, if you get an education, you're going to succeed like everybody else here. Well, it's not seeking to unite us. Yeah, I mean, that, exactly. that's really the issue. And yeah. And, you know, we we do live in a very diverse society. Yeah. We live in a society that's multicultural, multiracial, multi, multi-ethnic. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't agree on a lot of things. And that's yeah. what, you know, one of the things that drew Andrea and me to FAIR is the fact that it's nonpartisan. Right. If you look at the board, I mean, they've got people on the right and on the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all agree on the common culture, though. And, and yes. so what it, what it gets to really is a, is a common set of rules I mean, we're never going to agree on tax policy, no, uh, gun know. rights, all, right. you know, all these various issues. But what we should agree on is that we have a common 
set of rules for how we disagree. Yes. For the fact that we tolerate these differences and that we can mm-hmm. speak up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the movements that um, you know are against that and pushing this divisiveness. I mean, you know, there's a reason why they're doing that, mm-hmm. and it does entirely undermine that common culture that you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, again, in, in the spirit of, of Dr. King, Andrea, um, in what he wanted to see come to pass, he was passionate in seeking the achievement of this through means of nonviolence. Of course, that uh, didn't end up being the case with uh, when he passed away in 1968. But if you could share with our listeners uh, the fair principles of peaceful change, whose goal is to emulate Dr. King's example of nonviolence. Certainly. Uh, one of the main things that did attract me to this organization what were the principles of peaceful change. And when I saw that uh, as a cornerstone or a foundation of this organization, it was really, um, really sh- just striking me that we can have this in current our current culture. Mm-hmm. And um, the FAIR website um, lists six of them if you'd like to look for further information. But what I'll do is I'll just touch on each of them yeah. just briefly. Yeah. But what I'd like to say is that the six principles are truly unifying. And um, they are, are great examples of, of nonviolence. So number one is exercising moral courage. And in the FAIR Foundation, um, we have um, profiles of courage that are listed on our main website. And what that is, is people standing up to bullies and telling their stories. Mm. We really get to see what's happening out there in the nation. And and what we're trying to do as an organization is amplify the voices of those that have been uh, silenced. Mm-hmm. And so that exercise of moral courage, that's a good example good. Within, yes. within our organization. And that's so important. It is. It is. people don't know what's happening. Right. We need, <laughs> they we don't need know to how know. They <laughs> Yeah. Right. Um, number two is building bridges. And FAIR does that by being a nonpartisan organization. Mm-hmm. Like Jeff said, we have people on the right, people on the left, and people that you'll meet within the organization that you have no idea what their political affiliation is. Right. And um, that's, that's um, telling that we include people of all different um, uh, affiliations, and it's oddly unifying. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's, it's neat to be able to talk to all different types of people every week uh, yeah. nationally. Yeah. Um, so that's a unique and special thing that this organization offers. Number three is defeating injustice, not people. We really strive mm-hmm. to focus on ideas and assume goodness in people, mm-hmm. and that is one of um, the principles that helps us to focus on bad ideas and yes, uh, people are inherently created good, although their actions may not always reflect that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We're, we're looking at the, the ideas and focusing on... on and that. once again, taking back a word. Right. Injustice. Truly, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number four is don't take the bait. Uh, FAIR is a very positive organization. When you dabble in social media, it's going to be really easy to see um, that there are petty fights going on, negativity, anger, and hate. That is the absolute opposite of what we are trying to to do here. Um, we will not respond with our voices to reflect those qualities. Rather, we're going to reflect positivity, integrity, truth, and compassion. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 number four. Number mm-hmm. five is simply choose love, not hate. Mm-hmm. Very self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. That was my actual favorite um, yeah. principle of them all. Mm-hmm. And then number six, uh, trust and justice. And um, Jeff will often, as an attorney, speak about equality under the law and uh, that it, that is one of the most fruitful ways forward. And uh, we as an organization, we do believe 
um, that we trust in the idea of justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm just oh, sorry. I didn't uh, mean to. That's OK. No, I was just going to say that in all of this, what's really being highlighted is listening to others. Yes. You know, with social media, uh, with the media in general. It's all about saying your part, wanting to get that out to one up the person that you're trying to basically defeat so that your your purpose can then be accomplished. But if we listen to people, actively listen and understand where they're coming from, that will certainly highlight our common humanity. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be willing to do that. Yeah, that's right. And and that's one of the tactics, you know, the, the, the notion of canceling people and the notion of, right. of shutting down discussion mm-hmm. uh, is inimical to the entire notion of a civil society mm-hmm. uh, where people uh, share their ideas, whether or not they happen to agree on all the various mm-hmm. points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, we really love the positive nature of this organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're seeking to build communities, not just networks, not just, mm-hmm. you know, people who who gather together, you know, around a common idea for a short period, period of time. Right. But people who form real communities at the local grassroots level mm-hmm. so we can maintain the momentum of this organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it's it's very important. And, you know, I think about what you were saying before that one of your favorites of the fair messages was choose love, not hate. Yes. Um, you know, that's that's another one of those buzz phrases that we hear all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's often used to do the very thing that you just mentioned, which is cancel people. Yes. Because they have differing views. And mm-hmm. so, again, this organization fair is doing such a great job of then taking this language and really saying, no, this is what love, not hate really looks like. It means to let people have differing viewpoints. We do live in a pluralistic society and that means that we should be able to get along and have that common humanity. So um, that's great. Well, the Minnesota twin cities fair chapter launched in June of this year. Take our listeners through the circumstances surrounding the establishment of Minnesota's chapter Mm -hmm and why the two of you both decided to get involved as chapter leaders. Well, I'll start with myself. You know, so as Andrew, I think, alluded to, we started our chapter in June, Mm -hmm. and it's been really nonstop since then. I mean, you know, both (laughs) of us have lots of other obligations, and this is something that we we do because uh, we have a strong passion for this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, for my personal you know background i'm married to a russian woman who grew up in the soviet union mm. and so and we have a lot of friends uh there's a lot of russians in uh in the community here in the mm-hmm. twin cities mm-hmm. and these are folks who you know they start to see this they come here for the freedom right and then they start to see this kind of thing and it, it really you know it's it's really kind of scary mm-hmm. uh and in my personal case uh you know a few years back uh, my daughter who just graduated from high school um, came home one day. She'd been in a public school and said, uh, you know, Dad, I got in an argument with a teacher. Uh, she said I had something called white privilege. Mm-hmm. And that was really sort of, mm-hmm. you know, this is something that I'd followed politics you know, all my life. I was mm-hmm. aware of the term, but I thought it was really just college campus type right. thing. Right. And to hear it in middle school. Middle uh, school. In a middle, oh, my goodness. You know, in a Minnesota high, yeah, uh, was, you know, and that's when we decided, you know, we had to make a change. Mm-hmm. So that sort of set me on the path, and, and I was looking for an organization that really fit, you know, a nonpartisan, uh, positive message. We could take this culture back, and that's kind of what got me into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. 
And my story begins with first meeting Jeff as a friend at Mm -hmm. our school. Mm -hmm. Um, He was my daughter's cross-country coach. And on the sideline, we'd have chats about culture, the world, and the nation. Mm -hmm. And this was pre-pandemic. And I was seeking for answers to some moral issues with a desire to understand. And Jeff candidly offered to me, you know, you need to understand economics and history to start getting your mind around Mm -hmm. some of this stuff. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm a nurse by trade. We don't know economics. Yep. <laughs> and history. And so Jeff took me under his wing in a mentorship type of relationship oh, nice. and introduced me to Thomas Sowell. Oh, and yes. it was really funny for my friends watching a nurse carry around this three to four inch book on basic <laughs> economics. And I got a few Snickers. <laughs> um, but then what happened was, as I was, as I was learning new terms in economics, like surplus and scarcity, I also learned this word called trade-off. Mm-hmm. And for every exchange, there, there's going to be some sort of trade-off. And mm-hmm. So then as we went, as I went through the book with Jeff, um, it was outlining other countries, their successes and failures, and was just taking me deeper and deeper. But what I didn't know is that it was developing a foundation for what was about to happen. And we then hit the pandemic. We had mm-hmm. the lockdown. And we had been studying um, these principles, which he was well-versed in. I just simply wasn't. I'm yeah. an average person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, what happened was at school, my first dip into um, meeting other mothers, talking to the school board and speaking at school board meetings was really advocating for these things that were happening to our kids with masking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the classroom was becoming unruly and what have, mm-hmm. your, what have you. And I was seeing extreme measures. Kids were missing school. And so this development of speaking to the school board and bonding with these other moms really came as an organic experience. Mm -hmm. But then the world was changing quicker than I could keep up with. And all along I'd been being equipped. So now the news media was talking about CRT, DEI, Mm -hmm. all these um, race issues and the big changes were happening around my children in other schools. And then one day, When the um, um, racial injustice walkout happened, um, there was a young lady that could not attend that and put a speech on our um, Twitter account Mm -hmm. or what have you, Instagram. And I listened to what she was truly saying from a senior high perspective. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was not necessarily her, but she'd been taught this either by the culture or by, you know, whatever, whatever means. Mm -hmm. But she um, spoke to things that matched up with CRT and DEI. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and it was very concerning to me. And then it became concerning to the other mothers. And we started talking about this. Then we found out that BLM was written on the dry erase boards in the classrooms. Mm -hmm. So it Mm -hmm. was truly there, Mm -hmm. but I just couldn't see it. Right. So then I went to Jeff and I said, you know, this is going on. And um, he helped me uh, polish up talking to the school board, writing a letter and what have you. And then he asked me one day, what would you like to do with all of this? Would you like to get involved with an organization to create a cultural change that will take some time, like 30 years, <laughs> um, right. but it will also um, lead to changing the next generation. And so I jumped on the website of Farah's his recommendation. I saw Martin Luther King Jr., Frederick Douglass, Abe Lincoln, those pictures. Mm-hmm. I read the um, One Common Humanity, judged on the context of, of our character. It resonated so deeply with my heart. And I read the mission and the principles, and I agreed, is this too good to be true? Right. So I signed that pledge, and from that day forward, and starting in June, we formed the Minnesota chapter. Yeah, that is outstanding. You know, we are running out of time very, very quickly here. We probably have time for one more question. Yeah, I just want to ask Jeff uh, Campbell here real quickly. You know, we talked about, you know, just what some of the organization's goals are 
in terms of bridging the gap with people through fairness and understanding. When you consider something specific, like maybe a critical race theory um, in the in the schools here in Minnesota, what does FAIR's commitment look like in promoting a culture of true tolerance and civil rights when you're engaging these specific issues? And in about 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah, well, for, we can continue this next week, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that sounds great, Mark. Yeah, so really at this stage, it's about awareness. Yeah. And getting parents, you know, um, activated and organized, so that they and giving them the tools so that they can lead the charge to take the schools back for their children. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that is so important. And I'm so glad that the two of you are here with us today. And we will have you again next week uh, when we continue this conversation to learn more about the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. And if you want to listen to this podcast or any other podcast, you can go to SaveTheClassroom.com. That's SaveTheClassroom.com, and you. Can can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, Mark and Andrea and Jeff, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you you both. Have a good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.